0: Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Kyle. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. (laughs) (laughs) A podcast with Luke Colson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, Every week, we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now... sponsored. I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seat- <laughs> <laughs> the seatbelt sign. Um, the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.com. Handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tyre. Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these are two little clips and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenure sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebarjack, will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. Oh, welcome, listeners. It is another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up with, uh, with me, Luke, and my trusty sidekick, Kyle. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, this week, we're talking to uh, Tommy... We've so far uh, over the last couple of episodes had some pretty amazing stories from people who have suffered uh, extraordinary adversity and accidents and crisis. And uh, Tommy's going to give us a little insight into his life growing up um, and the the story that leads to what we are calling his life
1: changing event. (laughs) Well, first of all, I have to say thank you, Luke. <laughs> um, and while that did fuck me up, um, <laughs> you know, I was born and raised uh, a the, the baby of a big Italian family. So if that didn't fuck me up, I don't know what did. How many? Um, well, I only had... Two brothers and a sister. Oh, but my dad had two brothers, three brothers. So There mm. was four boys. We all grew up near each other. as 27 kids. Mm. So it was like having 26 brothers and sisters. Wowzers, yeah. And I was the baby. Right. So, And I think I may have been an oopsie because I was far <laughs> down the line of being the youngest. <laughs> I love it. So uh, that made me, you know, obviously made me unique to begin with. So, you know, and then on top of it being gay, whoa, that was just the 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 roller coaster of roller coasters as as a teenager and my teenage years were so much fun did you come out as a teenager i came out in my early 20s got it um i think i came out when i was 20 actually right to be honest with you i mean officially came out they i think they knew right yeah yeah your mom always knows yeah yeah um so and then I officially said I'm gay when I was 20 years old um they were like yeah right okay big deal um (laughs) they were like "Uh, uh, yeah yeah. I think we we got that I think we got that when you kept on bringing girls around but they didn't ever stick they never they never stuck um and uh yeah so you know life was just an awesome, awesome experience until I hit 20. Mm. And, you know, I was full of life. I'm, I'm full of life now, mm-hmm. but there was a period between the ages of 21 and maybe I'm now 56, I'd say 50, that was not great. right? And, you know, why I love this podcast so much is because there are so many things that I have to give back to the universe that could save someone 30 years of suffering. That's amazing.
0: and I think that's the exact idea of why we're doing this.
1: Yeah, and you know, so back in the early 90s, well actually back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, um living in New York City, I fell in love with the love of my life when I was very young. I was 21 years old. And he was truly an exceptional, exceptional person and helped me through coming out, understanding gay life, mm. being able to navigate it. Because, you know, back then it was a very challenging time. There was the HIV epidemic. Um, there was there was so much um, going on. Yeah. And so much unknown. Very much like what we're going through today with the coronavirus and yeah. the unknown. And yeah. the, there was no true... Story, right? And it's so funny that Dr. Fauci like right in the middle of it because <laughs> uh, he was right in the middle of it back then too. That's um, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so funny that we're having this podcast today because I did get my first vaccine today, which was really one of those uh, moments in life where the pressure was just released. Well, congratulations uh, um, on that as well. That's amazing. So back, you know, Tom, he was a you know it was the Tom and Tommy show. We had a great life um, up until the time I found that he was lying to me, um, and he came to me one day and. So that he had been lying to me for two years that he had been HIV positive and he was quite sick. Oh my gosh. You know, that's a big deal when you're, when you're young, you're in, you're, it was 1991. It was a crazy time in life. Um, and all of a sudden the man that you fell in love with, that you, you got a home with, you have a puppy with, you're setting up a life, you're young. Marriage was not even a, a consideration at that time, but we were like being married. Um, and to find out he was sick and I found out this out in November, probably the first week of November. Um, I quite quickly after that found out I was HIV positive, um, because he had lied to me because we had, you know, we had that conversation. We were having that conversation for two years of being Mark. safe and not be, you know, then it got to be not using condoms, which I don't recommend out of the gate for anyone. Um, and, I found out I was HIV positive that Thanksgiving, which is this past Thanksgiving was 30 years ago. I'm assuming you went to get checked to, because he, he told you to, that story, yeah. right? And back then testing wasn't like immediate, like you had to wait a couple weeks. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, AZT was flying around. So I found out I was positive. He died in March. Oh, my God. My best friend died three days after him. And then another friend died three days after that. So I had a week of death. Dear God. So, you know, being a new, young, HIV-positive guy in the 90s was really super scary because you were just waiting for the shoe to drop. It was your turn to die. Oh it was God. my turn to die. And, you know, I didn't. Obviously, I'm sitting here talking to you 30 years later. Um, But survivor's guilt Anybody out there who doesn't think survivor's guilt Is a real thing Mm. You're wrong Survivor's guilt is a very very Passive aggressive Disease Mm. That can really change That can really fuck you up And it did you know, it did subtly for me. I became like, okay, I'm going to do this naturally. I'm not going to take the medication. I'm going to do the vitamins. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do it. And this was back in the 90s when the, that sort of thing was not recommended. Right. It was recommended everyone take AZT. Everyone take the drugs. You know, I didn't do that. And maybe that's what kept me alive or maybe God had another plan. And I think God had another plan. Um, I did spend many years in a in – a state of guilt Mm. and this guilt that truly may or may not have brought me to where I am today as a recovering alcoholic I drank those 30 years because I didn't know how to be without medication I didn't know how to be a person without being medicated I couldn't sleep without it Um, I had an extraordinary I have an extraordinary career in the fashion industry and I truly do believe that I had someone looking over my shoulder to carry me through it. Um, success was, didn't come easy, but it came. Mm. Um, and through it all, I had, I had to put up this front. I had to create this facade. I had to create this life, this life that I had to make sure that the HIV was not who I was, it was not a part of my life, it was not the person that I was going to be, but it's there and it's not curable. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. How did you
0: in that um so a couple of things, um, and thank you for sharing that story is, is off the charts, you know. Um, how that must have been terrifying, that 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 whole time in the eighties and nineties. Mm. I mean, what was that like? Like just with that all around you. Well, yeah. you
1: know, it was like they were dropping like flies. Um, the people that had transitioned Uh, to being positive, the men that had transitioned in the 80s, they were the first to die because there was really no... Sarcoma was killing them left and right, sarcoma of the lungs, sarcoma of the brain, which is a cancerous... uh, Which is cancer, basically. Um, And they were dropping like flies. And that's when the disease became the gay disease or the disease, the gay cancer, was the big thing back in the late 80s that was killing so many people. Mm. When they finally realized... The trend, when they finally started to understand where the transmission was happening, then it became like, okay, no sex. If you didn't have a partner, you weren't getting a partner for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were not having sex for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a good five years before we all had like able to have sex again with with a, with a peace of mind, right? Um, but you know, the thing for the thing the, the thing for young people at that time, like myself, was there were no answers there was no there was no one you could turn to the the older guys that had transition were all dying the doctors had no answer they had this one pill called azt which was poison oh my god and i swear it killed most people oh my god um so there was no no one you could go to you could go to a guru you could go to a kinesiologist you could go to vitamin therapy you, i could you could do it all um But no one had the real answer. Mm -hmm. No one had the answer that I wanted. I Mm -hmm. wanted the answer. It was going to be okay. Yeah. That's all I wanted someone to say. Yeah. No one could say that. Because at any time, if I got a cold, the common cold, I traveled internationally so much. So getting on airplanes and getting on you the common cold or you would get flu or you would get any kind. You thought, oh, this is it. I'm going to die. Here I go. I'm going to die. Um, And it never
0: happened. No. That's so. a, it's unbelievable um, the, what we, what we um, have been talking about on some previous episodes is the darkness followed by the light or the uh, the adversity followed by beginning to find ways out I mean it might not be a pinpoint thing for you but you seem good now you mentioned
1: drinking Yeah. What, mm. talk, tell us a little bit about so again, about that you it know. just started you know I, I didn't tell my family for many many years so i lived with this i didn't even, only my two best friends knew i lived with this disease inside me healthy only two of my friends knew and i was a very social person and oh. no one knew my family didn't know who i'm very close to they know now but um so the only escape i had was to medicate you know, drinking was, was my thing, you know, that was the only way to medicate myself, it was the only way I could go to sleep, it was the only way I could get out of my own way. Mm. And my my way, like to get out of my way, just to let this, this disease settle in my body, comfortably took many years. Mm. Now it sits with me. And it's a huge part of who I am today. And why I'm meant to be on this earth still to help. Yeah, Boy, did it fuck me up for 30 years. Thir- more than 30 years. I mean, I was out of my mind with guilt and worry and shame and and fear and uh, anxiety. Everything that comes along with, I'm going to drop dead in an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and I love <laughs> laugh after that <laughs> as well. I'm going to drop <laughs> dead in an hour. Oh, my God. Um, or I'm going to get some sort of a disease that's going to, you know, change... Changed the trajectory of my life, the life that I knew I could build for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I did a lot of things that I probably would not have done if I didn't think I needed to speed up everything, I needed to experience everything, I needed to go everywhere in the world, I needed to get married, I needed to do this, I needed to have children, I needed to be successful, I needed Mm. to be financially sound. Mm. I'm none of that now. Mm. I'm not financially sound, I'm not married. I can't travel because of COVID. So I'm basically sitting here with you on a sofa in Venice, talking
0: to you. Which is great, by the way. This is the highlight of my week,
1: (laughs) But what, you know, the one thing I always say is there's survivor's guilt for 30 years was really 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 challenging and really life changing but I wouldn't be sitting here next to you if I hadn't gone through it Mm. and if I hadn't gone through it the way I did I probably wouldn't yeah maybe I would probably eliminate the alcohol (laughs) but I don't know that I would have changed the last 30 years I think it's made me a better person and I think that whether you want to call it God, your higher power, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, brought me to a place of serenity. That serenity comes from, and that peace of mind comes from allowing this virus mm. to sit comfortably in my body mm. and allowing myself the opportunity to do everything that you who's not HIV positive mm. can do, mm. you know, and that is living a free life, traveling wherever you'd like to travel, you know, all yeah. You know, do I have to be sort of upfront about my sexual, mm. when I'm engaging in sex, God knows I haven't done that in a year, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, but you know, I, honesty is a big part of it. Um, honesty is a big part of who and what I am today, but you know, I look back now, I wouldn't have changed that miserable time in my life for nothing because it's got me to a place where I am today. That's incredible. And
0: I said the same thing when I was 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 doing my story in one of the episodes, which was I think I said it was like a 25 year period for me to come out of this Cocoon of like fear and terror and anxiety and all the things and all the layers that had got me to this kind of chrysalis moment where I emerged. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to face the world again now. And where I am now, and I guess that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is that I feel it's time to talk and I feel it's time to have everyone come out and say, it's gonna be all right. It may take a while. I mean, we have people on this podcast who had an experience and started to work through it within a month. For me, it took a really long fucking time. And you're saying it's 30 years. I love the fact that you're saying you wouldn't change it for the world because I'm excited now about being alive and I'm excited about the future and I have hope, right? For 20 years, I was terrified to open my eyes in the morning. And I was terrified to make it through the day because I didn't know how, because I didn't trust in my ability to make the right decisions to get through the day successfully,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like you don't trust yourself for so long. And then when you come to this point, and what I love about what you're doing in the podcast, and and I love that, that really fucked me up, <laughs> um, is maybe what today can do is... We leave a little pressure to someone out there that's listening to this. Like, you know, we can become like this pressure, the, the gauge becomes so strong it starts to rattle. Mm. And you need to hear from people that have been, who have walked through situations for m- many, many years that it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not going to be okay. But that's the trajectory of your life. Yeah. And, you know, I can't say that, you know, I'm not going to die tomorrow, but I'm not afraid of it. I mean, if you do, I got your last interview. So that's nice. Yeah. And you have my phone. (laughs) 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 You do have my last interview. Um, So it's really funny. Today was, you know, I was, I woke up on, say Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. I woke up on Sunday morning and I was really rattled again by covid and it's not my time for a vaccine and it's not my time and mm. i just I, you know i i lasted 30 years wondering when i was gonna die oh my i would even want to last another day wondering if i was gonna die of covid and i was honey i lived 30 years covid was not gonna kick my ass sorry <laughs> <laughs> that was just not gonna happen um and the ability to be able to just to alleviate a little bit of the pressure today felt like like took 10 years off my life. That's amazing. And to sit here and talk to you freely and openly about HIV and all that it's done, good, bad, or indifferent in my life, because HIV did give me a lot of good. Mm -hmm. It gave me the ability to stop and listen to people because I don't know that I would have been that person Mm -hmm. that would have stopped and listened to anyone. Mm -hmm. I wanted to listen to... I wanted to listen to your problems. I wanted to listen to your stories. I wanted to listen to everything people had to offer because I thought I'm going to learn something from every experience that people experience in life. Mm. And it truly, truly, I think number one made me a better person. Number two, kept me alive. That's, inc- that's incredible.
0: I just, surviving something is a humbling experience, you know? Mm. Living through something or living with something or having had something like, like that. Um, from everyone that's we've spoken to as well it's a humbling experience and i am grateful that i feel like that sort of person too like i'm i want to help people mm. i didn't used to i used to be a complete asshole oh, i was a dick <laughs>
1: <laughs> no
0: and i don't want to do that anymore and i want to be the best dad for my children and i want to be it sounds extremely cliche but i want to be here i want to be doing what i'm doing right now because I've been chasing a false destination for my entire life. And tomorrow is never good if you're hoping for it to be amazing.
1: Today is is, is really, it's where it's at. It's taken me a really long time to figure that out. You know, it's so funny because some people that I've met in the last... You know, I've had my shares of trying to get sober, going to this, doing that, and hearing, "Oh, to you know, one day at a time, live for today." Bullshit. That, same. That's how <laughs> I used to think too. Yeah, that's what I was like. Bullshit. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. Yeah. But now, living for today is so, you know, there's such a relief in it. There's such a the ability to exhale and yeah. not really worry. Yeah as I spent so many years worrying about what the hell is going to happen. And now I'm 56 years old and, you know, life is really, you know, it's at a place where I feel now it's time to get back. It's time to do what we're doing today is trying to alleviate or trying to educate not to live in fear, Hmm. not to live in anxiety. You know, there are going to be things in life that are hard, but there's, Places to go, people to talk to, and things you can do so you don't have to live in such anxiety, fear, terror. I lived in terror. Same.
0: I think that we're going to wrap it up there because I got some goosebumps, yo! <laughs> well,
1: thank you so much. It's a lovely to talk with you,
0: tonight. It's nice. so nice to have you. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, everyone.
1: Bye!